So we're in week three of the series Leftovers. So and as we've been doing this series, you know, we've been looking at passages that really hide, highlight how Jesus looks at leftovers or looks at people that we would consider leftovers or left outs or maybe misfits or, or outcasts. And one thing that we found is Jesus' love, the, the love that he has for the least of these is very extravagant and it's relentless. He will go above and beyond to reach someone who we may cast out or that we may leave out of a situation. And we see it throughout the Bible. You know, and last week, you know, we talked about Zacchaeus, a wee little man that had a big problem, you know. And, and we really looked at how leftovers are looking for Jesus. They're looking for Jesus inside their, inside their life. And sometimes we're the only Jesus that they may actually see. And we also saw that they will react or they, they will react to what side of Christianity we show them. You know, for some people as Christians, all they see are us as hypocrites or they see us as judgmental or they see us as, you know, looking at we're above them, like we're the elitist inside the situation. Almost Pharisees of the Bible is the way they'll look at some Christians. But then we looked at if we show love and we show grace and we sow that love and grace to someone, that's exactly what they'll react to. And they'll see that Christianity is about love and grace. They'll see that it's about forgiveness. It's all what we show them. And unfortunately, a lot of times we show them the bad side of Christianity. So we need to really look at ourselves as we look for the left outs or the leftovers in our own lives. And then, of course, we looked at how they respond. Zacchaeus responded above and beyond what the Old Testament even asked him to do. He gave everything back in fourfold. You know, so, so a lot of times the leftovers, when we engage them and they're looking for Jesus and we introduce them to Jesus and we show them the love and the grace and the mercy that we've received in our lives and we give it to them, they will react. A lot of times the same way we reacted. You know, when we were left outs or when we were outcasts and Jesus came into our life and someone took that time, think of the way you reacted from how you were to how you are today. And there are people out there just like you used to be that people have left out that we need to allow to come in. And it's, you know, it's just a matter of us doing our part. We need to do our part and go and search them leftovers. Go and search those people who are left out. And it's interesting because when you think about going and, hey, I need to go talk to this person, or I need to go um, invite them, you know, basically it's evangelism. And, and when you think about evangelism and you think about reaching the lost, what do you think one of the biggest impacts on reaching the lost is, other than the Holy Spirit? Because I know the Holy Spirit does their job, yes, exactly. But other than that, what, in, in, you know, as you think about it, what is the most biggest, the biggest impact you can make when evangelizing someone on the human side? You know, and I think part of it is you got to be prepared. You got to be prepared to explain or have a reason for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And if each one of us can explain that hope that we have in Jesus, it kind of goes a long way. But I think the most impactful thing anyone can see as in a follower of Jesus Christ, <clears throat> is someone who's been transformed. When they see the transformation in your life, 
When they see, hey, I remember when Ken was like this, and this isn't who Ken is anymore. This is who Ken is now. And they can look back and they can see that transformation in my life. And then I can say, well, that's because this is when I met Jesus. And this is the transformation he's done in my life. And each one of us has some type of story. Now, it may not be that you were, you know, laying on the street about to uh, die because you were overdosing on crack or alcohol or whatever it may be. It may just be that, you know, I've grew up in church and I accepted Jesus as a teenager. And I walked away for a little bit, but I've come back and people should still see a transformed life. If anything, your life should be different than someone who's a non-believer. Someone should be able to see a difference in you than they would in a non-believer. And unfortunately, in today's society, you look at a lot of the Gen Z, the Gen Zers out there, the Generation Z loves to outreach. They love to go help people. They love to be out there, hey, as long as I can serve someone, I know I'm doing something right. If someone has a need and I can fulfill that need, I'm doing something right. And they don't know Jesus. But we know as Christ followers, that's that they're looking for Jesus. They just don't realize it. And that's where we need to be able to step in and explain that transformation of someone's lives. So, you know, today as we look, we're going to be in Luke, chap uh, yeah, Luke chapter 7. And we know that, you know, while Jesus was seeking the lost, you know, he'd heal people. He'd heal deaf, dumb, and blind. He'd heal the lame. He'd feed the hungry. And a lot of times what you would see is when he was doing this, he would... Give them, this is what the physical problem is. This is the physical problem that you're having. And he would fix that physical problem and then provide them with the spiritual help they needed to move forward. He would give that spiritual guidance. And a lot of times that's what you saw when Jesus would heal someone and basically introduce them to the gospel. But then other times Jesus would use somebody's life who had been transformed by him as an example to present the gospel to somebody else. And that's exactly what we're going to see today. So if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Um, 36 through 50. If you don't have a Bible, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. And they'll also be up here on the screen. And if you're watching online, they'll be on the screen also. So with that being said, let's go ahead and dig in. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. When the Pharisee who had been invited him saw this, he said to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman is this who is touching him. She's a sinner. Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. 
You have judged correctly, he told him. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my head, uh, kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today, may you open up our hearts that we may receive what it is you want us to receive. Lord, may my words be your words, and may your name be glorified through it all. And open our hearts, Lord. Open our hearts. And make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, understand, in biblical times, you know, something's going on. Someone's having a big house party or a big something going on. It wouldn't be unusual for a neighbor to show up. It wouldn't be unusual for a friend or a stranger to come in and kind of hang out and break bread with everyone. But a woman who's a sinner just comes in. She just comes in and it's not, you know, everyone knew who she was. Everyone knew who this woman was. She had a reputation as an immoral woman. She had a reputation. She was known to be a sinful woman. And we know that, you know, she lived a life that was in the public eye. Because of what she did, she was in the public eye. And this is the kind of woman that we're actually introduced to today. She heard that Jesus was in town. She brought an alabaster bar, jar of perfume with her. And having an alabaster jar of perfume with her tells us that she was pretty good at her job because she was making money to be able to afford an alabaster jar of perfume. So she was successful in her trade. And most people think that when you read this story, it's, it's about this immoral woman. But it really isn't. She's only one element of the story. She's only a part of the story. Everyone will seem to focus on that part of the story because we're really good at focusing on other people's sins. But that's not what the story is about. The real story is about Jesus evangelizing to a Pharisee. He's evangelizing to a Pharisee, you know, because remember, Jesus came to seek the lost. He came to seek and to save the lost to include this religious elitist Pharisee. Who just prior to the verses I read, the Pharisees actually said this, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And I think it's funny that whenever they refer to Jesus as a friend of tax collectors and sinners, they're always in the same room. They're always there. Do they think they're not a friend of Jesus or do they think they're not a sinner? Me personally, I think they're on the, I'm not a sinner, I'm holier than thou. We've got some of them in church. I've been there before. I've been one of them holier than thou people. And Jesus kind of reminds me that I'm not holier than thou and I got to continue on with my life. 
you know? But understand, Jesus is, he is a friend of leftovers. He's a friend of the left outs. He's a friend of sinners. He's a friend of tax collectors. Because guess what? He's a friend of ours. And I think we're all just as bad. We just may not see it. But he's our friend. You know, Jesus is committed to presenting the gospel to everyone, no matter if they're rich, no matter if they're poor, no matter if they're outcasts, leftovers, if they want nothing to do with religion, or if they were very religious. Jesus never stopped presenting the gospel. And here in Luke 7, he reaches out to this hypocritical, self-righteous Pharisee. Is exactly what he's doing. And by using the very person that the Pharisee was upset about, the same person the Pharisee was upset about, this sinner, this immoral prostitute who had obviously already experienced a dramatic encounter with Jesus. Her transformation was obvious. It was obvious. And so Jesus uses her as evidence of the power of transformation to this Pharisee. Giving both him and us today a lesson in forgiveness. I think it's interesting. Verse 8, it says, uh, This woman came and stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. So now it's obvious that this woman had a previous encounter with Jesus. She searched him out. She searched Jesus out because of the gratitude that she had. She had gratitude. She knew who Jesus was. She knew what Jesus was doing. And she wanted nothing more than to come in and worship our Lord and Savior. And that's exactly what she did. She came into this house. And you see, but the guests, the guests that were gathered and around the table, they knew her. They were probably whispering about, oh, can you see, oh, you know, that scarlet letter that's on her, sh you know, her shirt. You know, it's like, oh my God, can you, look at what she's doing to Jesus. I can't believe what she's doing to Jesus. And I think it's interesting that Simon, that Simon who invited him says in his mind, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. You know what I love about this is it doesn't say that he said it out loud. He says he thought it. He said to himself, so it never came out of his mouth, but yet Jesus knew what he meant. Jesus knew what he was thinking and actually replies, Simon, I have something to say to you. So, you know, you think about it, it growing up, all of a sudden you walk in the house and mom, I got to talk to you. Mom's like, I got to talk to you. You know, mom's got them eyes behind the back of her head. You know, you're in trouble when mom says, I got something to say to you. Oh no, I'm in trouble. <laughs> or dad comes home, son, and you see him start unbuckling that belt. You're like, oh, I, they know what I did, but I didn't say it. I, no one knows. Jesus knew what he said. And Jesus is about to confront this Pharisee. He's about to confront this religious, hypocritical mindset. And if you think about it, last week, we talked about this. Sometimes we're that same critical mindset. Sometimes we're just like a Pharisee. You know, we, we get judgmental on people. We feel like we're religious elitists, that, like we're maybe above somebody. And we got to remember, we're not above anybody. And here Jesus is going to uh, basically put this Pharisee in his place in a nice way. But let him know how wrong he is in what he's doing. 
You know, religious people were very good at judging other people's sin. We're very good at pointing out other ones. Someone else has said, oh, their sin's worse than mine. Let me point out their sin. We're good at that. We can see other people's sins a mile away. But we'll try and keep ours tucked away so no one sees them. And Jesus knew what he said and was now going to put him in his place. And you think about it, Simon had to be thinking at this time, you know, here he's inside there, he's having his party, he's got Jesus, and, and why did this woman have to come here right now? Why did she have to come in my house while I got all these people here? You know, he's probably pondering in his mind, you know, what's going on? And, you know, and it's interesting because if he knew her, was he hoping that he wasn't exposed for maybe a relationship he had with her? For her just to boldly walk into his house? She had to have been there before. And it kind of makes you wonder, okay, well, is he really upset because she's there? Or is she, he just upset because of he was trying to play I'm the Pharisee of Pharisees and oh, I can't believe this sinner came into my house. And odds are she was probably there before. You know, meanwhile, she's crying. She's washing Jesus' feet with her hair. It had to be uncomfortable for everyone in that room to see what she was doing. And then I love how Jesus deals with this situation. Without mentioning the woman at all, never says a word about the woman. He goes on in verse 41, he says, a creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? You know, of course, it's a simple story. You think about it. Someone, was a, someone owed 500 denarii, which was about 500 days work. The other owed 50 days work or owed 50 denarii, basically almost two months worth of wages. It's kind of incredible. Think about someone owed this much debt and the person just had enough grace to just say, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it at all. Now, if I owed someone 500 days worth of wages and they said, hey, don't worry about paying it back, I'd be pretty happy. Imagine someone coming up and saying, hey, you know your mortgage? Don't worry about it. It's paid off. Be like, praise Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. How much would you love? You'd be pretty happy, wouldn't you? You would probably go out of your way to get more than a basket of fruit for somebody. Oh, well, thank you. Here's a basket of fruit. You probably go more in the thank you card. You go above and beyond to show the love because of what you received. And basically, you know, it, it, this has to be a story because you really doubt what are the chances that it's really happening? You know, it's a good story to show who would love more. And Jesus goes on, he asks Simon, you know, which of them will love more? And of course, Simon replies, you know, I suppose the one he forgave more. And Jesus says, you have judged correctly. Basically, guess what? You got it right, Simon. Ding, 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 you got the right answer. Whoever was forgiven the most was going to show the most love. It's a simple story. But verse 44 is when the application comes in. When it starts to come in, this is what you got to do in your life. Because in verse 44 through 46, Jesus then turns to the woman. Well, I actually don't even turn to it. Well, he turns to Okay, I'll just read it. Turn to the woman, he said to Simon. 
Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Jesus basically said, Simon, even as religious as you are, as good as you think you are, you haven't treated me with the honor due a guest. You didn't treat me right. And you think you're here. And you think she's here. And she gave me all the honor, all the love, and all the grace that you should have given me when I come in your house. Think about that. How many of us are in that same boat? We don't give honor to the person that's due. We don't give honor where it should be given. And Jesus, in the same way he's been doing all along, doing, doing things that people have never seen, saying things that people have never actually heard, he turns Simon's religion upside down. He turns it upside down, and in verse 47, he says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. And see, we don't know if Simon learned his lesson, because we never hear about him again. So we don't know if he learned his lesson, if he turned and repented of his ways, we just know we never heard from him again. But Jesus goes on and he continues to teach us today one of the most important aspects of our relationship with him is the more that we understand forgiveness, the more we will understand how much we've been forgiven and the more we can understand how to love others. You know, and, and in the remainder of the time, that's actually what I want to look at. I want to dig into the aspects of forgiveness that are seen in this story. And I think the first thing we see in the story is we all have much to be forgiven. We all have much to be forgiven. You know, we, we need to go back to that grace that saved us and never forget where Jesus found us. Never forget where Jesus found us. And a little thing in verse 47, I really want you to notice here. In verse 47, it says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven have been forgiven. In other words, it didn't happen right there. If her sins have been forgiven, they were forgiven before she got there. So that kind of tells me she must have had an encounter with Jesus someplace else. She'd already been given, forgiven her sins someplace else at some other day or some other time. Now, we don't know if it was the day before. It could have been right before Jesus got there. He could have met her on the street. It could have been the day before. It could have been weeks before or months before. Somewhere along the line, she had an encounter with Jesus prior to this, which is why she was searching him out. Because of the gratefulness that she had for her sins, for Jesus accepting her right where she was at. She'd been redeemed. She had been forgiven. The guilt and shame was gone from her life. Life was different. Righteousness and holiness began to occupy this lady's heart. And she began to move forward. And when she heard that Jesus was in town, she searched him out. And coming into that room, she was overwhelmed with gratitude for what he'd done for her. 
overwhelmed with it. She wept and she loved on the one who had forgiven her many sins. She couldn't contain herself and she worshiped him right there in that room. She worshiped Jesus. And then we see finally Jesus don't speak to her until verse 48 when he says your sins are forgiven. You know, now if Simon had truly been perceptive of all this instead of judging or condemning this woman, he would have recognized that all she was doing was worshiping Jesus and that Simon himself was not worthy to be in the presence of him. And if anything, he should have thought like the apostle Peter when Peter found out that Jesus was the son of God and Messiah when in Luke 5, 8, Peter says, go away from me because I am a sinful man, Lord. Instead, the Pharisee never saw it. And I think sometimes we don't see it. There's many times in my life, Lord, you need this back. Lord, I'm sinful. There's no way you could be here with me. And then there's other times I turn around, Satan, get behind me. My Savior's right here. It's time for you to back off. But we all fall into there. And I think, you know, here we see the Pharisee made a, a tragic mistake. He graded himself on a curve. How many times do we grade ourselves on a curve? Well, I'm not that bad. I've been worse. I'm not as bad as them. And we grade ourselves on this curve where we compare ourselves with others. Yeah, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Whew, I'm way better than them. And we get caught up doing it. We grade ourselves on a curve. It's crazy, but we do. Realizing we're not worthy to be in his presence every day is how we should live our life. This woman was at the feet of Jesus, knowing she was a sinner, worshiping him for what he had already done for her. And the bottom line is that, you know, Simon needed God's forgiveness just as much as anyone. Just as much as anyone, but Simon had too much, too much pride to step forward and be forgiven. And Luke 49, it says... Those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this man who even forgives sin? You see, they missed it too. They missed out on the grace of God. They're questioning the same exact thing. They didn't recognize that the Savior was there thinking of themselves as leaders of the people or above the people, again, doing just like Simon, thinking that they were models of righteousness and didn't see the Savior right there at their table didn't see the gospel playing out with this woman at his feet because of her own self-righteousness. And I think this is really just a matter of teaching us it's only when we recognize our own spiritual poverty that we can experience the riches of God's forgiveness. Let me say that again. It's only when we recognize our own spiritual poverty that we can experience the riches of God's forgiveness. You see, Simon didn't get it. The people at the table didn't get it. But this sinful woman, she got it. She got it and she was, she was experienced the forgiveness of the living God right there. You see, because we all have much to be forgiven. We all have much to be forgiven. And the second thing is, if you want to be forgiven, you can be. 
you can be forgiven. Of course, uh, the way to do it, and, and you see it's, it's, just, it's just so amazing, God's forgiveness isn't based on how much we deserve. It's not based on how much we deserve forgiveness. Thank God, because we probably don't deserve it. It's based on how much we want it. How much do you really want that forgiveness? So the question is, do you want to be forgiven enough to humble yourself to ask for forgiveness? Because think about it. If you don't ask, you can't get it. Asking, you shall receive. But how many times does our pride get in the way and we don't ask to be forgiven? We don't ask for that forgiveness. And it's there. It's there for us. And, and, and if you go to God and sincerely ask to be forgiven of your sins, he will forgive you every time without fail. Without fail, he will forgive you. And it's clear in Proverbs 28, 13, he says, he who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You see, if we take the attitude of Simon the Pharisee, if, if we're just self-righteous and, and we're trying to conceal that sin, we're never going to go and ask for forgiveness. We're never going to go and, Lord, please forgive me for this. Because we're going to think we can do it on our own. And we need to continue to seek him in everything we do. But you think about the other hand of it, if you're remorseful and you have a remorseful attitude and you walk to God, forgive me. Every time you ask for forgiveness, he's going to forgive you. He's going to forgive you every single time. And the truth is that God will forgive you as many times as you ask to get you to your victory. As many times you ask to get you the victory, God will give you that forgiveness. And that's what Jesus teaches about forgiveness. In chapter 17, Jesus actually says this. In Luke 17, 3 and 4, it says, If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. How many times in seven, seven times in a day would you forgive someone to come back to you? <laughs> You'd be like, dude, you just need to stop. <laughs> you know, our patience will run out. But this is where we see God's patience and his love. Tells us, if they come back seven times in a day and come back and say, I repent, we need to forgive them. I would say, wives, remember that of us sinful husbands, of us husbands who always, I'm sorry, babe. I'm sorry, babe. Well, maybe I should say, ladies, you need to read this. No. <laughs> I'm trying to help you, Mike. <laughs> but you think about it, if that's the way God shows it to us, shouldn't we be like that for others? Now, understand, this, this isn't a certain, it's not a license to sin where some people would take it. Oh, well, I can sin because all I got to do is ask for forgiveness. Well, they said, if I come to you seven times today, you've got to forgive me seven times. You know, it's not a license to sin. Sin hurts people. Sin hurts your own relationship with Jesus. Sin hurts other people. Sin is a pain. It breaks the heart of God. It breaks the hearts of other people. So as Christ followers, we should try not to sin. However, if we do fail, we should get forgiveness. Just like every one of us has gotten forgiveness. And some of us have gotten more forgiveness than others. And you know who you are. Because each one of us know our own story. And we may lose the battle from time to time, but understand that we are forgiven. And when you look at this woman, 
at Jesus' feet. She's having church. She is having church in the Pharisee's house at this dinner. She walks in, didn't say a word. She doesn't say a thing. And all she does is weep and worship Jesus. She's having church. She's literally having church. And Jesus doesn't even speak to her until verse 48 when he says your sins are forgiven. You see, God's forgiveness isn't based on whether we deserve it or not because none of us deserve it. It's not a question of whether we deserve God's forgiveness. It's a question of whether you want God's forgiveness, if you truly want it. And if you want to be forgiven, you can. All you need to do is ask. And the third lesson the story teaches us is that accepting forgiveness is an act of faith. Accepting forgiveness is an act of faith. See, this young woman didn't say a word. She didn't say a word, but in this moment, her worship did what her words never could. Her worship did what her words never could. She didn't run to Jesus. She didn't throw herself at his feet and confess all that she'd done. Apparently, she'd already done that in the past because Jesus knew it. Jesus already knew her. He had already forgiven her sins, and she simply came in with a heart full of worship. That's how we should approach every day, with a heart full of worship for him, for the forgiveness that he has given us. The extent of our love is intricately linked to the completeness of Jesus' forgiveness. His forgiveness in us should show us that love. And all those gathered around the table still couldn't understand it. They couldn't understand it. They couldn't see because here someone had been transformed. Their life was manifested and totally transformed. And all she showed was love, joy, gratitude, and affection towards her Savior. And they missed it. How many times do we miss it? How many times do we miss that in someone else's lives? Because we think we're here. And we think they're here. And we're all on the same playing field. Remember last week, we're all in the same boat. Some of us just have a life raft. And we need to get them in the life raft with us. Jesus used this woman as a testimony of his power to transform life. Witnessing to, Sol uh, witnessing to Simon and all those at the table. And then finally in verse 50, Jesus says, your faith has saved you, go in peace. You see, it's always faith that saves us. Always faith that saves us. Receiving Jesus' forgiveness is an act of faith. And as it says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, sometimes I think we feel the weight of our sin on our shoulders and then we ask for that forgiveness and, and that weight gets lifted off. Sometimes that weight may be a little heavy even when you ask for forgiveness, it's still there a little bit. Keep going back for that forgiveness. Keep going back and, and don't be looking, thinking that you're above it and, oh, well, I, I can't ask God for this and you, you kind of wear this mask. No, drop the pride. And just ask God for the forgiveness. Ask him for the forgiveness and it will be given to you. This sinful woman was saved because she put her faith in Jesus. 
She didn't put her faith in her own goodness, and yet Simon missed out because he trusted himself. He trusted himself instead of Jesus. And I think the more you and I can understand forgiveness, the more you and I are able to love. And maybe just like this sinful woman, maybe we can find ourselves on our knees before Jesus, worshiping him for what he's done for us, worshiping him for that forgiveness. And hopefully by looking at this story, seeing that here was someone that so many times you've probably heard a sermon and it's been on this scripture, it's been about the woman. How many times have you heard it was against the Pharisee and that Jesus used the transformation of this woman to try and transform somebody's life? Because that's exactly what it is. Yes, she had an amazing moment and her life was transformed, which is great for every one of us because our lives can be transformed also. Don't get caught up being the Pharisee. Don't be caught up being the other people at the table who missed a transformation in someone's life. Don't be the person who stops a leftover from coming in and being transformed. Because sometimes we do that also. We'll try and keep them out. They're left out for a reason because we left them out. They're an outcast because we cast them out. Bring them in. Show them your transformed life. Show them the love of Jesus and show them the forgiveness that you were given. Because remember, all of us were forgiven. Some of us forgiven much. But we've all been forgiven. And we all have to be forgiving also. And I hope we can all continue to show that love to others. And you know, maybe you're here and you haven't accepted Jesus. And you're like, Lord, I need your forgiveness. During the final song, you can come up front. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you know the God's word says, for we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. But God yet showed his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the forgiveness we all got. And if you've never accepted Jesus, that could be the forgiveness you're looking for. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect and that you're never going to mess up again. Because I mess up every day. But if you want to start that relationship with Jesus Christ, come up during this final song. I'll be over to the other side. We can say that sinner's prayer and you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. Maybe you've never been baptized through immersion. And there's a time in your life that, hey, I need to be baptized. Come and see us. Hey, I'll be more than happy to fill up the pool and schedule a baptism for you. And we'll baptize you right here in front of the church and everybody. Whatever it is. Maybe you just need to come up and say, Lord, I need your forgiveness or I need to learn to forgive. And you can come up and just leave it right here at the altar. Because he who is forgiven much loves much. Do we really love the way we should be loving? I don't know what it is, but you do. So during this final song, I just encourage you to make a move. Make a move and be obedient to what God calls you to do. Heavenly Father, I raise up this church to you, Lord. 
on this Memorial Day weekend where we look to those who gave that ultimate sacrifice and Lord, you gave that ultimate sacrifice for us. And Lord, if there's someone in this room that doesn't know you, someone watching online, that they will make that move today and accept you and accept the forgiveness that you have and change their life. Don't miss the boat, Lord, that they will get on that life raft and move forward in their life. And Lord, maybe someone just needs to come up here and ask for your forgiveness. That they've been being a Pharisee for too long, being judgmental on people for too long, leaving people out for too long. Lord, be with us as we continue this day. And we love you, we honor you, we praise you, and we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.